0: I got a forward in my email. You guys get forwards from people on Facebook, like a million of them. And uh, somebody forwarded me this song to me. And they said, you've got to watch this. Anybody ever seen this before? There was a story attached to the, to the song. And the story um, was about how the song was written about a true story. That a lady and this, the woman singing and her father were in the mall. And her son really walked up to her and said, "Um, Mom, where's the line to see Jesus? I see the line for Santa, but it's Jesus' birthday. Where's the line to see Jesus? And the grandfather, who's a songwriter, was standing behind them. This happened a few years ago. Standing behind them, and he heard the boy say that, and he grabbed the piece of paper, and he wrote it down, and he said, There's a song. And he began to write the song, and he developed a song, and he kept sending it to Nashville to different recording artists, and nobody would record it. And so finally, him, he, him and his daughter and his son-in-law said, this is a message. And so they said, we're going to do it ourselves, and they recorded it themselves, and, and I think that was their church choir. And they recorded it themselves, and it said they kept working on it, and they thought they got to get the message out, so they just put it on YouTube. And the last time I looked at it, it was about five, uh, five, um, 500,000 hits already on it, um, and it's just called, Where's the Line to See Jesus? And when I saw that um, song, I actually, I actually took it, and I took my uh, computer, and I unplugged it, and I went out, and I put it on Darlene's desk, and I called Tracy in, and I said, watch this song, listen to it, and I had to walk away, I come back, and they're bawling, you know, they're crying watching the video, and I thought, I need to put that as part of my sermon, because it's going to speak to what I want to talk about in the Advent Conspiracy, because really... What the song communicated is at the heart of the reason that we're doing the Advent Conspiracy this year. You know, it seems so hard to find Jesus amidst all of the other things that this season brings. It's hard to find him. You know, it is easy to find the line to see Santa Claus. Go to any mall. Matter of fact, if I was a kid, the place I would want to go, right now you can go see Santa for free at Bass Pro if you go down to Gurney Mills. And you get to make bobber ornaments for your mom. What could be better in the whole world, right? You can find Santa anywhere, but where's the line to see Jesus? and I really think if we 're honest there's not much of a line to see Jesus anywhere. It just doesn't seem to exist and and this advent season, um, I want it for us to be special. I want it for us to really be about Jesus. I want us to really see Jesus this year what I pray for and what I want and what I hope you desire and if maybe God is tweaking our focus a bit, because that's what the conspiracy is about, is kind of changing our focus from what we've known for all these years, is that what I really hope as God changes this year is that our kids and our grandkids and us, that we see the genuine this year, that we really experience a genuine, and we are not robbed by the things that can divert our attention away from Jesus. And that's what I think um, the plan of, of, for the ages of the enemy has been. in in anything in Christianity, is just divert us from the genuine, divert us from the authentic, divert us from Christ, and let us focus on a whole bunch of other things. This, This season, this holiday season, what I hope for for our families is that we really experience the reality of Christ in our lives and in our homes. And there's something else that I really hope for this year during the Advent Conspiracy. I hope that each one of us learn how to bless Jesus this season through what we do and how we celebrate. and That's going to be a big part of what we're going to talk about today. That not only do we see Jesus, but we learn that we actually can bless Jesus. You know, have you ever really considered that? That you and I, a simple person, a created being, one of almost 7 billion people on the planet, have the ability to bless a Creator. That is absolutely amazing. You know, we can turn this season around and really make it about Him instead of about us. And we're going to figure out how to do that today. I think God's going to show you some things on how we can turn it around and we can really come to bless Jesus this year. And I think that's something that some of us maybe have never thought about before. That was always about us. It's always us-centered. But that we actually have an ability to bless Jesus. And so we're going to We're going to think about that today. Now part of the way, to get into that, part of the way that we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate most um, events and holidays is we celebrate by giving, correct? And that's right, and that's proper, and it's good that we give because Christmas is really about giving, isn't it? Yeah, it really is about giving. Listen to the words that were spoken by by the angel that was speaking to the shepherds on that night that Jesus was born. It's recorded in Luke 2. I'm just going to look at at one verse for right now. But in Luke 2, verse 11, it says this. The angel is speaking on the night of Jesus' birth. And it says, For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The message from the angels was that a Savior had been born for them. In other words, that a gift had been given to them um, from the Lord. John, in the Gospel of John, writes it a little bit different in a verse that we're all very familiar with when he said it like this, about Christmas or about Christ in general. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave a gift, right? Right. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but would have eternal life. Jesus coming into the world, Christmas celebration is really all about giving. God gave his son. And as we think about the story of the celebration of that, not only did God give his son in the the form of Christ, but just think of the wise men who came to Jesus. What did they do when they came to meet him to worship? They gave gold and frankincense and myrrh. They worshiped, they celebrated the, the, the coming of Christ through giving. And the thing that I want to focus on today is the giving of gifts. And particularly the giving of gifts that we give to each other. Because I think the giving of gifts to one another has become the real focal point of our Christmas celebration. If we think about Christmas, the one thing we generally think about is giving and exchanging gifts. Every, every workplace, you have gift exchanges. You have a celebration of a party of a gift exchange. And giving gifts to one another has really become the real focal point of Christmas. And I want us to conspire together this year, not to give less, not to stop giving gifts because giving is part of the celebration. But I want to conspire together to get us to start to change the way we give that we will conspire together to give less junk. And that's what we talked about last week, right? If you weren't here, go on the website, get the podcast, because we looked at the spending less part was really about giving less um, stuff that was unnecessary. It's about buying, not giving the sweater to Aunt you know, Rose, who's never going to wear it anyways, and going to shove it in that sweater drawer we talked about, that you could always seem to shove one more sweater in, but then you can never open up the sweater drawer because it's so full of sweaters. that you put them in there and you never wear them again that we really don't need to necessarily do that. So we're going to conspire to give less just unnecessary stuff at Christmas, but we're also going to conspire to give more. And that's what today is about, giving more of what really matters. And friends, to do that, let's start by thinking about something that maybe you've never considered before. Thinking about the fact that each one of us can actually give gifts to Jesus this year. That every single one of us can literally give gifts to Jesus as we celebrate his birthday. And you know, that's kind of a novel thought. That we have a celebration for Jesus' birth and that we could actually give him gifts on his birthday. That's not what our, the holidays become. It's been about us, the celebrators, giving each other gifts. And we kind of stand, up to somebody who'd be an honest observer would say, Where's the line to see Jesus? Aren't we supposed to give him something? but that we actually can give gifts to Christ at Christmas, and by giving gifts to Jesus, we can actually bless him this season. And I think as some of us grasp this idea, that we and I want to explain how, as we actually grasp the idea that we can actually give gifts to Jesus, and by doing that we can actually bless him, I think it's going to empower you And it's going to transform your celebration of the holiday because you're going to say there is something more than just a celebration that I've always experienced that's kind of empty and it's got old. That there's something more to it. There's something eternal and and godly about the whole thing. But you may ask me, say, Mark, I think you're nuts. How in the world can I actually give a gift to Jesus? How can I actually do that? You know, he doesn't have a mailing address. How can I honestly, you know, without being funny, how can I honestly give a gift to Jesus, the Son of God, the Creator of the universe, this holiday season? I'm glad you asked me. I want to explain to you how you can do that. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, the 25th verse, 25th chapter rather. section of Scripture that you're probably familiar with One that is interesting here, it's a teaching. We're going to look in Matthew chapter 25, we're going to start in verse 31. We're going to find a teaching that came, was taught by the Christ of Christmas. So Jesus, whose birthdays we're celebrating, is the one who taught what we're going to look at today. And he's teaching in this section about the time when he would return to earth for judgment. He's talking, we understand this, that Jesus came as a baby in a manger, lived his life and ministry, died on a cross, that he did that to come as a sacrificial lamb for mankind. We get that? But the promise that he gives in his word is that someday in the future, and we don't know when, Jesus himself is going to come back from heaven... Not this time as the little baby in the manger, but as a conquering king, and he is going to bring judgment upon the world and reestablish order um, in all the cosmos, including for humanity. Now, we know that's true, right? The second coming of Christ. In this teaching, in this section, Jesus is talking about that. Let's start looking at verse 31 of chapter 25 of the book of Matthew. It says, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. And the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? In verse 40, the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Look at verse 40. To the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me to me. Do you see the me written on the page there? Is it a big M or a little M? It's a big M. Jesus is referring to himself. The big M, the capital is talking about is God himself. That Jesus says that if you give something to someone else in need, you're actually giving it to him. To the extent that you give to a person in need, you give to Jesus. Friends, the way that we give to Jesus, the way that we can bless him at his birthday party celebration is to give or to minister to those in need in his name. To love on other people. To bless other people. To love on people that he loves. To touch them for him, Jesus says, is actually doing it to him. Now, that's something that we've maybe heard before, but I don't know if we really grasp. If we really understand that Jesus isn't exaggerating here, he's not making something up, he's not lying. He's not just saying something for the sake of saying it. He's saying, listen, if you do this to someone else, you are actually doing it to me. If you give to someone else, you are actually giving to me. And I want you to notice something about the type of gifts that Jesus asks for at Christmas because you know what you know what Matthew 25 is Matthew 25 is Jesus's Christmas list that you know I don't know if you guys have a relative like this but my my family knows that on Thanksgiving when we go to my mom and dad's house my boys and Suzanne and I have to have our Christmas lists ready we're not allowed to come to the house without our Christmas lists because we have to give it to my mom and she is going to go out and buy what's on our Christmas list. And, and we have to say, so the boys know they got to be thinking in advance because Grandma wants on paper, in hand, the Christmas list because the next day is Black Friday and she's going shopping. And you better have the list. Matthew 25 is just as real, honestly, a Christmas list that Jesus made out. He said, do you want to give me a gift? These are the gifts I want you to give me. He says, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the imprisoned, invite a stranger into your world. Notice, Jesus doesn't once ask for an iPad. You know, he didn't. He didn't ask for, I can't believe it, Tom, but he didn't ask for a new bowl. He asked to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the imprisoned, invite a stranger into your world. He asks for gifts that are really very simple. They're really very practical. And here's something that you might have thought not thought of before. They're really not very costly. The gifts that he asked for for Christmas are gifts that any single person in this room could give to Jesus by giving it to another person. There's not one of us here that could not feed a hungry person a meal or give somebody something warm to wear. And that makes, you know... More, seems more real on a day like today that, that we could not give something to somebody warm, some clothing that's warm to somebody who is in need at this time. That every single one of us in this place could visit someone who is imprisoned. And you say, well, no, 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 you don't know my background. I can't, I can't go into a prison because I used to be in one. And that happens all the time in the church world. Somebody, they say, I can't go back in. But I want you to think about this a little different than just putting it in the concept of a jail where somebody's incarcerated for doing something wrong. There are many people who are imprisoned, and they need somebody to visit them. There's all kinds of people stuck in nursing homes all around our community that are imprisoned in essence. They can't leave. They're imprisoned, and there's not a person that's going to go visit them. Suzanne, for years, was, a, was the volunteer coordinator at a, at a nursing home in a community that we pastored in. And our boys grew up going and playing with the ladies and the old men in the nursing home and pushing them around their wheelchairs and playing games when they could never remember the rules. And they asked the same questions over and over and over and over again. And you just play the game and you just move their things. It doesn't matter because they don't even know what's going on half the time. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Visiting someone who's in prison. Visiting someone who's in prison, who's who's a shuttered in their home, and because of illness or old age, they can't get out. And there's no one there to visit them, and and they, they just long to have someone come and love on them. And maybe their family's given up on them or forgotten about them. But God's called somebody else to do it, and that somebody else is the church. Jesus says literally; he's not using hyperbole here. He's not trying to say something any other than the plain way he says it. He says that giving to them is giving to him; that loving them is loving him. So I want you to think about that. A gift to a child in the shelter that you took off of that tree, and it said, like I think some of the ones we took off were uh, like what they call like a GI Joe. I'm from what they call action figures. G.I. Joe, I'm old. Anybody read Johnny West's? Oh, I love my Johnny West dolls. That was great. I used to put big strings across the whole basin and they would slide, yeah, action figures, they'd slide down ropes and I had Jeeps and RVs and all this cool stuff. You know what? One of the gifts that somebody, some little boy wanted was action figures. Do you know that giving that action figure in Jesus' name, Jesus says, is actually giving it to him? Do you know that a shoebox that you went to, to Walmart or to whatever and you, you bought stuff and you said, what would a three-year-old girl in a foreign country want that could be beneficial? That would also be a blessing. I, I could give her some, a coloring book and some crayons and some hard candy and all the things that the, uh, that the uh, Operation Christmas Child allowed you to do. That you did that. Jesus said when you did that, you actually did it to Him. I remember a, a Christmas um, gift that Suzanne and I gave to Jesus one year. We didn't know it at the beginning of this, in the beginning of the event, but it became very real to me It's exactly what was happening. Years ago, it seems like a couple of lives ago now, Suzanne and I, when we were going through college, uh, ministered in a street mission in Springfield, Missouri. Every single week we went there. And every week in the street mission, we would uh, you know, take care of the homeless people that came in. And I'll be honest, most of them were, were men who were, who were just ac- uh, alcohol or drug addicts who just didn't really want to fit in society. Really didn't. I had, I had intended in my life that I would spend my life doing that type of ministry until I did it for a couple of years. And I figured I felt God said, that's not where I want you to spend your life. And one of the reasons was I found a lot of the people there just really wanted to be there. They didn't want to live in society. And I'm not in any way criticizing that type of ministry. I did it for years of my life. But one day, Suzanne and I were getting ready to go to the street mission. And again, we're students, and we were, have you guys heard this Till you're tired of hearing it, we were dedicated to go through college without any debt. And so we lived with nothing, literally had $10 a week for groceries. And it wasn't 100 years ago. You know, it was less than 20 years ago. And it really still couldn't buy, $10 a week couldn't buy much back then either. And uh, we'd buy 50-pound bags of rice, and, uh, and uh, ground turkey and uh, refried beans, and that's about what we ate for a couple of years. But we worked at the street mission, and, and one day before we went to the street mission, we had been grocery shopping. I don't know if you remember this day. You'll remember the story as I, as I tell it. And we're walking through the grocery store, and I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm angry because I remember stopping with Suzanne, and there was a place in the grocery store that steamed shrimp. You could buy shrimp steamed by the pound. And I love I loved seafood. And I wanted to buy one pound of shrimp. And I can remember to this day it was about $5. And we talked about it. And we absolutely did not have $5 to our name to buy one pound of steamed shrimp. And I was kind of, I was kind of talking, my God, this stinks. I'm, you know, I'm serving you. I quit my career. I'm going to Bible school. And I can't even buy a lousy one pound of shrimp because I don't have any money. We bought our, our rice and our, our ground turkey and our refried beans, and we left the store. We went to the street mission. And I, and I remember we went there and we'd prepare. One thing that was kind of nice about the street mission is we got to eat there for free. And so we got food, too. And that night we're preparing the meal, and I can remember the exact menu on this particular night. It was sliced ham, but not like good sliced ham. Not like you got a ham. Remember, it's a street mission. They got most of their stuff was donated food. It's kind of like lunch meat ham. You know, the processed stuff in little tiny thin strips, little slices, and it's all processed ham, kind of like this lunch meat. And and we had warmed that up, and there's you know, probably a hundred plus people at E B eating at night. So we got the big silver trays, and we we warm up that stuff, and we had um, the huge cans of corn, and um, we we had. Um, Canned or boxed mashed potatoes, and then we had water. And we would serve the people the meals, and then what the deal was, they had to—if they wanted to uh, eat, they had to listen to the sermon. And so I would preach, and then we would feed them, and Suzanne would do some kind of music stuff usually. And and so we—that was the setup. In order, they had to endure the service to get the food. And so. Um, so we do the service, we give them the food, and I'm passing it out. And I can remember, like it's yesterday, I could show you in the room, at a place called Victory Mission, where the, the room was long like this, and it was tables set up, and right there in the middle, on the last row of chairs, a mom and a little boy walk in. The boy's probably eight or nine, maybe Ten. And that was unusual because we hardly ever had women and children come to the street mission. It was almost always these men who were generally pretty much, most of them were Vietnam War vets who just never recovered from the war. And they lived in a street mission, or they, it's where they ate. And and uh, and Suzanne was always getting a, oh, snookered by something. She's trying to get me to always to give them my socks or something. And and we'd find out there's a there's a place right across the street they get it for free. But I'm like, honey, they just want this to go buy more booze, you know. And that's what it, she finally learned that after a while. But this was different. You know, a mom and a little boy walk in, and they sat right there. I can picture them right there. And we served them the meal. And this, again, it's a plate that has some processed little slices of ham, some boxed potatoes, a thing from a big, huge can of corn, and a glass of water. And I give it to the kid. And I'm not even thinking about it. I'm walking away, and I look, and the kid is just, he, he's just radiant. He's glowing. He's just smiling from ear to ear. He's so excited because Of what the meal in front of him. And I remember him saying to his mom, and it changed me. He said, Look at his mom, he's beaming, like the biggest beam on a smile on a face a kid would ever have, from the biggest Christmas present you ever gave a kid in his life. And he said, Oh, do I wish we could eat like this every day? And I started thinking about how I was whining about not having any shrimp. And this kid is excited about the fact that he just got a little piece of ham and some canned corn and some box mashed potatoes and a glass of water, and it's like somebody just, just told him he won the lottery. Oh, do I wish we could eat like this every day. And it struck me right then as I looked at that little boy that that was how Jesus felt at that moment. Because as you do it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. And that giving that meal to that little boy was giving it to Jesus, and that Jesus, at that very moment, felt exactly like the expression on that boy's face. He was beaming, he says, Just with joy, do I wish I could have this every day of my life. Friends, Jesus absolutely, dearly loved that little boy, and that boy's joy was Jesus' joy at that moment. That we served that little boy a meal, and that made him incredibly happy, and Jesus said that as we served that boy, we actually served Jesus. That Jesus was in that chair. And he was actually served. And I learned something really important right there that ought to change Advent for us. that ought to change Christmas for us. I learned that I could bless Jesus by blessing people. And that's how we give gifts to Jesus at Christmas. That we actually can bless Christ, as we bless somebody else in his name. And friends, if we'll get a hold of that, it will absolutely change our worlds. It'll change when we're trying to do this challenge to say... You know, I want, to, uh, I want to change giving less junk and more to something that's really important. And you say, I want to do that, but you know what, I, I, I just know it's going to be a hassle. I know some people aren't going to be happy with it, and my kids might be upset. And, and, and you say, you know, I, so I really, it's not worth the effort. But when you understand that when you give less junk and you give more to something of value, and that something of value is giving, as Jesus said, to someone, even the least of these in his name, that as you do that, you're physically giving something to Jesus. That makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? It makes, it makes all the difference in the world. It's absolutely wonderful and it's absolutely empowering to understand that so that we can make the changes that we want to make so that Christmas is something more than just a ritual of buying junk and, giving and, re- and getting junk from other people. Now, I want to move on to one more point. And this is the other side of the story. See, I think there is something else that is really important that we can learn from the story as we read in Matthew 25. And grab your Bible again and go back to chapter 25 of Matthew. I want us to read the rest of the story, the rest of the teaching that Jesus taught about that on that day so we can actually give to him if we give to someone in need. Verse 41 of chapter 25, it says, Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also answer, Lord, When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked? And I think they're asking with all honesty or sick or in prison and did not take care of you. Notice the big you, big why in you. Did not take care of you? Verse 45, then he will answer them. Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, the righteous into eternal life. Jesus has some incredibly strong words here for people who don't give to people in need. I think there's two things that he that I want to point out today as we as we consider this. And then again, there are things that are designed to change us so that we're motivated to, to cooperate with the conspiracy. The first thing is this that Jesus says it's an offense to himself. If we don't give, if we don't bless, if we don't minister. He says, to the extent that you do not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. That's pretty sobering. He says, it's one thing to not give to some stranger somewhere. I had a person say to me one time when I was talking to them about missions, and the person looked me in the eye and said, Mark, I'm just going to tell you the truth. And he says, you're not going to want to hear this. He said, I really couldn't care less about somebody dying in Africa. He said, I care about what's going on right here. I said, but you don't understand. Jesus cares about somebody dying in Africa. Friends, it would be kind of easy to maybe in our minds rationalize and not minister to some stranger somewhere. But it's quite another to not minister to Jesus, the one who gave his life for us. And I think if we put it in these terms, if we understand this and how Jesus is really framing it, that if we give to somebody else, we give to him, and if we don't give to somebody else, we don't give to him, that none of us would ever refuse to give to Jesus. Not one of us. But Jesus says we do that when we don't meet the needs of his children. He says of his brethren around him. I want you to understand something about what Jesus is saying here. Jesus never motivates us by guilt. He never puts a guilt trip on us, and that's not what he's doing here. Rather, what I believe he's doing is he is showing us how important it is to him for us to love hurting people. That he's saying that it's his heartbeat to help hurting people, and he just expects that those who are his will have the same heartbeat. He understands it's a family resemblance. He's not saying if you do this, you will have eternal life. He's saying if you have eternal life you will do this, because there's a family resemblance. That he died, he gave his life to us, and he expects that his children will give their lives to other people. Does that make sense, what Christ is saying there? And so what I think he's really trying to get at for us to understand today is our need to avoid, what I want to call, for lack of a better term, to avoid blinded living. That's what I think he's trying to get get us to understand today. To get us to avoid blinded living. You know, those whom Jesus condemned asked, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick and in prison? And I think they were being honest when they asked it. You see, they were blind to the need of human suffering around them. I really believe they didn't see it. They didn't see the needs of others. And maybe they didn't understand that meeting the needs of others was meeting the needs of Jesus. And maybe the reason they didn't see is because they were so preoccupied with their own needs. And that's a huge part of humanity. We're so occupied, preoccupied with ourselves, we don't see the needs of anybody around us. But maybe... That's not the point. Just maybe the reason that they didn't see is because their lives were structured in such a way that they were absolutely insulated from the realities of the world around them. They spent their time only with other people who were like them, who were well-fed, who were well-clothed, and had it all. Maybe they lived in Ozaki County and they had it all right around them. They were insulated from the realities of the world around them when they had an opportunity to go to Milwaukee Outreach and help people who are much more disadvantaged, they just said, I, I live in this world and I'm, I'm afraid to go into that world. Just maybe that's the case. They were insulated from the realities of the world around them. Now, friends, you know what? I think God has a message for us about this today. I think it's easy for us to make ourselves feel good in this area by giving gifts, buying some gifts, taking something off a tree and giving it to a kid and that is awesome and it's wonderful and I believe it is giving it directly to Christ when we do it. That's wonderful. But I think that's only the starting place. And this Christmas, I think Jesus wants us to take a step further in our walk with Him, a little bit deeper in our relationship And this Christmas, I think Jesus wants to open up our eyes to the relational needs all around us that he wants to use us to meet in the lives of people that are right in our sphere of influence. You see, there are people right in our worlds, right in your world, right now, who Jesus wants you to touch for him. There are people in your world right now that Jesus wants you to touch for Him. And I think what He wants to do is He wants to take off the blinders this morning so you can see them. He wants to strip off the insulation of our insulated world, our isolated world, so you can see the needs right around you because they're right there anyways. But we can be like the rich man in Lazarus, who every day you get up and you walk by the, the needy guy at the, at the gate of your entrance and he's being licked by dogs, it says, on his sores. And he's starving and he's hungry and you are living in abundance You don't even see it. I think that's absolutely possible. I think God wants to remove the scales from our eyes today to see the needs right around us because there are people right in our world who Jesus wants each of us to touch from him. And he calls it this way and I'm going to point that. I mean no no disrespect in what I'm going to say next. But Jesus says if you minister to the brethren but then he adds something. He says even the least of these you're doing it to me and I think he's trying to make a point. He's trying to make a point about there's certain people that he's not criticizing or condemning. He's just saying they're somewhat different, the least of these. Maybe they're awkward. Maybe they're needy. Maybe they're more difficult to get along with. Maybe they have special needs that take extra energy. Maybe there's a challenge to be with. And our natural inclination is is to kind of put our hand up and walk past them and hope, oh no, I hope they don't talk to me today. It can happen in the world. It can happen in church. It can happen in your workplace. It can happen in your family reunion. And there's those people you just kind of, man, they're coming this way. I'm going to go this way. You're at the grocery store and you see them. You walk in, you, get, you see them before they see you and you make sure you dart down the, center, the other aisle. And you go, shh, stop talking so loud, kids. They might hear us. And you say, oh, that would never happen. It happens to every one of us. He says the least of these. The challenging people. And I think he's not asking for you to just give them a meal. He says, give a meal. And you give them a gift. I think he's asking us to go deeper. Not just give them a meal. He's asking you to accept them into your world and to sit down and share a meal with them. And that's a huge difference. It's easy to get out the checkbook or the wallet and give the money and buy the gift. Give the action figure. That wasn't that hard. You know, we live in a place of abundance. It wasn't that tough. But you know what's a lot more difficult? To say to the awkward person, say to the least of these, the challenging person, you know what? I'm not just going to give you a meal. I'm not just going to give you a voucher for going to Qdoba and getting a, getting a, one of their awesome great burritos. Um, but I'm going to sit down at Qdoba with you and eat a burrito with you. There's a huge difference. And this Christmas and this New Year's, the reason Pastor Bruce made the announcement today and we're going to have him make it again next Sunday to say open up your world at New Year's is because I think we all tend to walk with some walls up. We, we always are with the same group. We're always celebrating the goodness of God, but with the same little tiny company of people. And we isolate ourselves from those people because there are certain ones that are a challenge. We say, I really don't want them in my world. So this Christmas, this New Year's, every birthday celebration as a lifestyle. My challenge, and I think it's God's challenge to us today, is that we invite at least one more person into our world. And we expand our circle of friendship a little wider than it's ever been before. You say, but Pastor Mark, that's going to be difficult. Pastor Mark, that might be awkward. Pastor Mark, that person makes me feel uncomfortable. I understand that. I understand that a lot. I've had a lot of awkward moments having, having people in my life that I really, in my mind, in my flesh, that I really don't want to invite them in but I choose to do it because it's doing it to Jesus. And then you find out a blessing flows as a result. But this is going to be the empowering thing that allow it to work, where it's going to empower you to do it. It's the realization of what we've been talking about, that you will actually be inviting Jesus to share a seat at your table. That's what Jesus said in, that, in this message In in his word, not Mark's message, in Matthew 25, he literally says, you will be inviting him to sit at your table. And friends, that's absolutely worth it. That you look at that situation, that relationship that requires a little extra time. And I want you to see that little boy's face that I saw at Victory Mission. He's beaming and he's saying, I wish I could eat like this every day. And the guy's saying, I wish I could sit at your table every day. Instead of just keeping me and saying, Oh, you know what? But I really like this group of 10 of us. We just really love to be together. You know what? For the most part, our celebrations, including our Christmas celebrations, are usually really closed. The reserved for those who are already in our circle of family and friends. Well, this year, friends, I challenge you to set one more place at the table. Just one. To put one more chair in the circle. And invite someone you know to be lonely into your world. Somebody who is lonely and needs a friend. And I promise you, if you do that, two things are going to happen. The first thing that's going to happen is that that will change that person's Christmas. They'll have the greatest Christmas celebration they've ever had in their life. The greatest New Year's celebration, is, as Pastor Bruce said, invite that you know somebody else into your world. And they're going to be just shocked. You know, I can't believe. I. And this is what happens often. I wanted to be invited, but I was never asked. And their hearts, you know how the Grinch's heart grew three sizes in one day? Their heart's going to explode. But something else is going to happen. Your life is going to change. You're going to find out what it really means to be, to be used of Christ. And you're going to find out what it means to actually minister directly to the heart of God. Because Jesus said it as you do it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, and I like that he included that because he's trying to say, I know there's some that are a challenge maybe. If you do it that way, he said, you've done it to me. Those are very clear words. You've done it to me. Would you stand with me this morning?